0: Well, as we go to Psalm 23, I'd like to make sure all of you have an outline. If you need one, raise your hand. And Wayne, I think there might be a few in the entryway. Okay, we have someone over there that needs one. Our guest. Okay, and James needs one. If you'd pass that back to James, Linda. Great. This way, you get to follow along. And uh, there's pens there available to you. You get to take notes and uh, be uh, able to... to, uh, To receive all that the Lord would have you to receive. Now, last week we looked at uh, John 3.16, which is the most familiar verse uh, in the Bible. One of the most well-known and well-loved passages in the Bible is Psalm 23. How many of you memorized Psalm 23 as a child? Okay, a number of you have. Well, Psalm 23 reveals three essentials of our faith. Three key essentials. Now, it's a very familiar passage, but sometimes we take the familiar for granted. Sometimes it's so familiar we don't realize the significance. And today, I'd like for us to be refreshed with new revelation that's going to come to us through the Holy Spirit in Psalm 23. The Holy Spirit inspired David, a worshiper. To write these beautiful words. So if you have your Bibles, take your Bible and turn with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Here we see God's call to come to Him, to follow Him, and to finish well with Him. Come to Him, follow Him, finish well. Psalm 23. Follow along as I read. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Forever. That is a wonderful, wonderful word. Well, we're going to begin today, if you take your outlines, by knowing the Lord. Knowing the Lord. Verse 1. The essential of our faith begins with knowing the Lord. I want to tell you a story about a little girl who was asked to memorize Psalm 23. She was about 5 years old. And uh, she was very serious and, and, and took great uh, pride in learning all 6 verses of Psalm 23. Well, the big day came when she got up on the platform and she stood before everyone. She had memorized it. Her parents made sure she knew every word perfectly of Psalm 23. And this little girl got up there and looked at everybody and she said, the Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. And she went and sat down. And you know what? She had it right. When the Lord is our shepherd, that's all we need. That's all we want. He'll take care of the rest. The key is knowing That the Lord is our shepherd. Some of you may be like me. You grew up in a home where you went to church. I went to church twice on Sunday. I went to catechism, knew the catechism, Heidelberg Catechism. went to youth group, went to Christian school. I was surrounded with everything that was Christian. Christian parents, Christian grandparents. But I did not know Jesus Christ as my Savior and Shepherd. I knew the answers to the catechism, I knew Bible verses, but I did not have a personal relationship with the living God. It wasn't until age 16 when the Holy Spirit spoke into my heart very clearly, very directly in a chapel service of our Christian high school, and as someone was giving a testimony of how they came to Jesus, came to faith, the Holy Spirit said, they have what you need. And I thought, really? They have what I need? I don't think so. I think I got it pretty well figured out. In fact, I'm in control of my life and I'm going to do it my way. You see the pride, the arrogance, the self-righteousness? And then a couple days later in that same chapel room at the last day of the spiritual emphasis week, Someone got up and said, we're not going to share our testimony today because you've heard testimonies all week long. We're going to simply allow those who want to come to Jesus right here today, put their faith and trust in Him to do it. This is your moment. Well, a couple of girls stood up and of course they were crying and, and all emotional. And, and yes, I'm a sinner and I need God's forgiveness and I'm going to come to Jesus today and accept Him. Well, after two of my classmates got up and committed their life to Christ, the Holy Spirit spoke to me again. I don't know if you've ever had the Holy Spirit speak to you, not in an audible voice, but in a voice deep inside where you know it's God speaking. Well, the Holy Spirit said, if you were to die today, you would go to hell. That direct and that clear. And that was my wake-up call. I realized I was a sinner. We sang it, Amazing Grace, a wretch. I had turned my back on God, even though I knew the truth. I knew the Bible, but I did not know the God of the Bible. And I stood before all my classmates and looked at them and I said, Today I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to trust Him the rest of my life and I'm not turning back. And I sat down. That was my come to Jesus day. That's when I was born again by the Holy Spirit. That's when God's Word came alive to Pete Batches. You probably have a faith story of how God worked in your life, what it took or where you were, or somebody who had an influence on sharing the love of God. Maybe it was you picked up a gospel track and you read it and the Holy Spirit said, you need to be forgiven. You need a Savior. Because if you were to die today, you would not go to heaven. That's a reality. We need Jesus to know the truth of eternal life. You see, when we come to Jesus as God, we embrace Him, we say that we are believing what His Word says, and we are putting our trust in Him to do what He said He alone could do. He died on the cross to save us from our sins. A great price. A price I couldn't pay for you and you couldn't pay for me. Only God could pay that price. And when we come to Jesus, we recognize that He is who He claimed to be. Now, James 2, verse 19 brings us an interesting revelation. James 2, verse 19, we read there, and Brittany, if you have that on the screen, let's go ahead and put that up there. James 2, 19. Here's what James, Pastor James says, You believe that God is one? Well, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. How come the demons believe? Because once they were angels... But they rebelled against God. They know who the Father is, who the Son is, and who the Holy Spirit is. Because they once worshipped God Almighty. But in their pride, they followed Lucifer and rebelled. And became fallen angels. But they know, you read the Scriptures, they know who Jesus is. He's the Son of the Most High. He is God. See, they know who God is. There's a lot of people in our world who believe there is a God. Oh yeah, they would say God created the universe and and God is up there somewhere. They believe that a God exists, but they don't know God. They don't know the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They don't know that the Lord is the true Shepherd. Let's go to what Jesus said Himself about Himself. Let's go to John chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, let's turn there. John chapter 10, and we're going to look at just a couple verses. Uh, Verse 11, and then also uh, verse 14 through 16. Here's where Jesus gave testimony regarding himself, who he claimed to be. And if you don't take Jesus' word for it, well, then you might as well throw out everything else. Jesus is good for his word. Here's what he said to his disciples. John John 10, verse 11. He says, I or I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Now to verse 14. Jesus says it again. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And look at this. My sheep. What? They know me. They know me by faith. They put their, their trust in me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I laid down my life for the sheep. See, Jesus proved that he is the true Savior of the world. He is the shepherd who laid down his life for humanity. We're all lost sheep. Can you agree with that? We've all Sinned, as Paul said, and have fallen short of the glory of God. Even one sin is enough to send me to hell. Even one. And I've created so many, I I mean, I've committed so many sins, I've lost track. But by God's grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, I'm redeemed. Jesus laid down his life for me, and now when I accept him, he knows me and I know him. I'm part of his sheepfold. Now, here's a little trivia question for you. How many times is Jesus mentioned in the New Testament? How many times is Jesus mentioned in the New Testament? This came from Jerry Shevlin from the uh, Converge Worldwide in the the magazine. And I kept it 1,236 times the number of times the name Jesus appears in the New Testament. 1,236 times. That's a lot of times. But you know what? If his name was only mentioned once, that would be enough for me. I only need to know the truth about Jesus, that he's the true shepherd of the sheep. He laid down his life. And he says it twice. I am the good shepherd. And he says everyone else is a false shepherd, a fake. There's a lot of fakes in our world, isn't there? There have been, there are, and there will be. We need to know the true shepherd, Jesus Christ. And we need that confirmation. God's Word confirms who He is and that we can believe on Him to be the true shepherd. Yes, number one in verse 1 of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Can you say that from your heart? The Lord is my shepherd. I know Him by faith. I belong to Him. And I know that everything else He will take care of because He's a faithful shepherd. It, be, it begins with knowing that Jesus is God, one with the Father, one with the Holy Spirit, and that you know Him. Not just know about Him, like I did for 16 years, that you know Him. If you miss this, then you miss Jesus. This is where it has to begin. That's why Psalm 23 is so significant. We have to begin with who is the Great and Good Shepherd. And Jesus affirms, and He proved it by His life, by His death, by His resurrection, by His ascension to the right hand of God, and by His return. How many of you know He's coming back? He is coming back, and He's coming back for the family of faith. Number two on your outline, abiding, abiding with the Lord. Verses two through four reveal the importance of abiding. Here we see that David was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. You see, once you come to know the shepherd, then you need to abide with the shepherd. Even Jesus said in, in the Gospel of John, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in Me. We need to be abiding people who are in in connection with the Master. You see, there are three parts to each one of us. We have the physical part. I see you all have a physical body. I'm glad that. And and you came here with your physical body. That's good. We also have a, a mental. We have a physical and we have our mental, our mind, our will and our emotions. But there's a third part that many in our world don't recognize. What is that? Our spiritual part. Physical, mental, emotional, and then our spiritual God cares about all three parts of us, doesn't He? Yes, He does. But He starts with the spiritual part, because He gave—excuse me—He gave us each an eternal spirit that we might live forever. And when Jesus died on the cross, He redeemed Pete's spirit. He redeemed yours as well, if you put your faith in Him. And then my mind is affected, and my body is affected by the saving work of Jesus Christ, but my spirit is the eternal part of me that lives forever. We cannot neglect our spirit. Amen. I want to commend you right here, right now for coming today because your presence says that you do not want to neglect your spirit. The most important part of you, you want your spirit to be connected to God almighty. Now we see in this passage here that he puts us Go ahead and fill in the blank there. He puts us in the green pasture. Notice that David doesn't say he puts us out to pasture. Okay, he puts us in the green pasture. Why does the shepherd put the sheep in the green pasture? It's pretty obvious, isn't it? Sheep need to be fed. They need nourishment. They need care. But you know what? When they eat in the green pasture, they can also rest in the green pasture. God wants His people to To be well fed. The shepherd leads the sheep to the pasture so they're well fed. So they're healthy. Jesus wants his followers to be healthy. We need to continually be fed. Where are we fed? Well, again, it's very obvious. The Word of God feeds us concerning the truth of God. The Holy Spirit uses the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation to speak life into our spirit, to speak truth, and to keep us healthy. Do you know of any unhealthy Christ followers besides me? I know some. And why? They're not feeding in the green pasture where God has put them. You see, God can bring you there, but he can't make you eat, right? It's like you can lead the horse to water, but you can't make him drink. That's a uh, that's an old saying, it's a true saying. God has given us His Word. Well, what happens if we keep the Bible closed? We keep it up on the shelf or in the closet or in the drawer. It doesn't go into our spirit, does it? We need the Word of God to feed upon the truth of God. Now, that's a personal choice. We each choose whether we're going to open the Word and read it. I encourage people when they come to faith in Jesus to begin with the Gospel of John. Read the Gospel of John. Let The Holy Spirit speak to you through the Gospel of John. I just finished doing my personal devotions in the Gospel of John. And I not only take the Word of God, and I'm using the the Maxwell Study Bible, John Maxwell, he has some great insight, commentary into the, uh, the Scriptures. But I also use Chuck Swindoll's commentary. Tremendous insight. See, I need that insight for feeding, for nourishment, for health. Now, when I neglect God's word and I neglect what's available, I become weak spiritually. God wants us to be strong in Him. I also use a little devotional by Ann Graham Lotz, and I've read a couple of these over the past weeks. From uh, she's the daughter of Billy Graham, and she has tremendous insight concerning the Word of God. She has a, a Bible verse, and then she has uh, just a commentary what she has learned in her walk with the Lord. We can learn from others. And how they've been fed can impact how we're fed. How about Christian music? Does that ever minister to your spirit? Yeah, someone gave me uh, old time gospel hymns, and I had it in a stack of CDs, and I put it in the other day. Well, they're the old hymns put to kind of a more upbeat, uh, and and they're wonderful. You know, there's some banjo in there. There's some fiddle in there. And I love bluegrass. So, you know, you, you put a hymn to bluegrass music. And, boy, I'm tapping my feet and clapping my hands. And I'm doing that while I'm driving. Can you imagine that? No, I can't either. So I just enjoy it and take it all in. But you see, God can feed our spirit through what gift He's given to others. Christian music. The preaching of God's Word. Every Sunday you come. You sit under the preaching of Pastor Rick or another pastor where you're part of a fellowship. You're taking into your spirit the truth. God's put you in the green pasture. Now, not everybody comes to church with an open heart and an open mind, do they? They're not always so teachable. God wants us to be teachable. When we come saying, Lord, teach me, the Holy Spirit honors that. We are fed in those green pastures. And there's other ways too. Fellowship, Bible study. I know that you have a Bible study that meets at 9.15 prior to the worship. Again, an opportunity to be fed. Sometimes the Bible studies meet during the week. Or men's or women's or couples Bible study. Those are all opportunities to receive. And you know what? When you receive the truth, then you can rest in the truth. You can rest in the truth. You can be at peace. I know some troubled believers. And I just wonder, are they being fed? Are they nurturing their spirit? Or are they just trying to do it on their own, even though they know Jesus has a way for them? We can learn by going to God's Word. Now, abiding in the Lord also involves. He leads beside quiet waters. He leads beside quiet waters. I believe that when the Holy Spirit is allowed to work in our hearts, we receive. We 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 are our thirst is quenched. Our thirst is quenched. Jesus said to the woman at the the well in Samaria, the Samaritan woman, John 4, verse 14, He says, I offer you living water unto eternal life. And when Jesus offered her that, she stopped to listen. He got her attention, didn't He? See, I need living water. and, And John says he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. John gives us the answer to what Jesus was referring to. That living water is the Holy Spirit that we receive when we're born again by faith. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to be at work in us and then to work through us. Now I love what David says here. He restores my soul. You see, when we're fed in the green pastures of God's Word, when we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives... He restores our soul. I need my soul restored every day. I really do. Because the pollution of this world is very evident. It bombards me. Television or billboards or magazines or newspapers or radio. I mean, the things you hear. It can be very distracting from following the Lord as my shepherd. I need my soul restored. I will till the day Jesus takes me home to heaven. Amen? All right. And then the, the third one, he guides. In His path. He guides in His path. Now, the path of righteousness is God's path. There's only one path of righteousness. That's faith in Jesus Christ, the true shepherd. Jesus talked about two roads, two paths. One is narrow, leads to a narrow gate. And that gate leads to heaven. It's a narrow road. And Jesus said only a few are on it. But then there's a broad road, a wide path. And Jesus said that path leads to destruction and many are on it. In our world we see that to be true, don't we? There are very few that follow after God according to God's Word on that narrow path. We can be thankful. We can be thankful that God has put us by His grace on that path of righteousness. And again, it's not for our glory, it's for His name's sake when we give Him the honor and the glory that He deserves, then we can walk each step in faith. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, we see that God who made Jesus, who knew no sin, the Apostle Paul says, to become a sin offering for us that we might become the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. Nothing I've earned or nothing I deserve, nothing I've worked for, it's all by Grace, amazing grace through faith. Jesus did that for Pete Batches. Did Jesus do that for you? He did. He did that for your neighbor and your co-workers and for your family. They need to receive that grace, that gift of God, by faith in Jesus Christ. Which path are you on? You need to determine that today. Are you on the narrow path, the path of righteousness, because of Jesus and His blood that covers you? By His sacrifice? Or are you on that broad path that leads to destruction? Separation from God in eternity? That's a reality. God says it. I believe it. He's God after all. All Alright, the next one is He comforts. He comforts His own. He comforts His own. Verse 4. Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with Me. Your rod and your staff, they Comfort me. God wants to comfort His sheep. He wants to comfort you. Comfort you. He knows what valley you're going through. Maybe you just came out of a difficult valley. And you're saying it's by God's goodness and grace that I can continue to walk with the Lord. See, Jesus experienced hardship. Not everybody liked Him, did they? No, they rejected Him. We know to the degree that they even crucified Him. Imagine, He is God, the Son of the Father, and He went through all that hardship and rejection because you and I were the reason. He went to the cross in love. Now, if Jesus was willing to go to that degree... For our salvation. When you go through a hardship, when you go through a difficult time in your life, do you think He's going to abandon you? Do you think He's going to say, okay, you're on your own? No. He's going to say, I am here with you. I will see you through, no matter how intense, no matter how difficult, no matter how hard it gets. The apostles, when Jesus ascended back to the right hand of the Father, did the apostles have it easy? No, they faced a lot of persecution. The early believers faced a lot of persecution. Read the book of Acts. Look at what the Apostle Paul went through. They picked up rocks and they stoned him and left him for dead. Don't think that wasn't painful. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. But Paul, by the grace of God, and I believe it was a divine miracle of resurrection, got up and he kept going. God is asking you, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how difficult your valley or how deep it may be, to keep your eyes on the Shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let Him guide you step by step. We'd all like to know what's going to happen down the line, don't we? A month or six months or a year. God says, no, I just want you to trust Me. Keep your eyes on Me. Know that you belong to Me. I'm here to comfort you and to care, to care for you. Jesus even said to His disciples on the Mount of Ascension, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's a promise. He says, behold, I'm with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you. Again, God is good for His promise. Can you trust Him? Yes. May you be encouraged by that today. Well, after looking at knowing God, abiding in God, the last part of this psalm reveals the importance of rejoicing. Rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoicing in the Lord. Look with me at verse 5 of Psalm 23. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Let's stop right there. Verse 5. First, he puts... A table before us. He puts it there. Now what table is David referring to? Well, we know in the Old Testament, it was the Passover meal. What did the Passover meal represent? Once a year when the Jewish people observed Passover. It pointed them back to when God delivered His people from the slavery in Egypt. From Pharaoh's hand, and he led them out through his servant Moses, through the Red Sea, to the promised land. See, the Passover was a continual reminder of God's deliverance. There's the key. God is a delivering God. He delivers his people. So every year when the Jewish people partake of that Passover meal, they remember God's faithfulness to deliver them. Now, I believe when David wrote this, he was writing it prophetically. Again, the Holy Spirit inspired him. But I believe he was also writing about another table in the New Covenant, the New Testament. What is the table that we celebrate as the body of Christ? The, the Lord's table, the communion. We partake of the bread and the juice representing the body and blood. Do you know that it was at the Passover meal when Jesus was partaking in the upper room with his followers that he instituted the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table? And he said, do this in remembrance of me. Why? Because Jesus would deliver people from their sins. Just as God delivered the Israelites from slavery, Jesus would deliver us from sin, from Satan, from ourself. The Lord's table. And David says, it's in the presence of my enemies. In other words, it's a witness. When you partake of communion, it's a witness before heaven and earth, before the devil and all his demons, that you belong to the great and good shepherd. You belong to Jesus. You're His child. And as you partake, you're giving testimony. We should not partake lightly. We should partake with great appreciation. Because God has delivered us. And He's anointed us with oil. He anoints us, verse 5. I believe, again, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. That He anoints us with the Holy Spirit so that we can follow Jesus. We can be like Jesus. What is the fruit of the Spirit? They're the characteristics of Jesus Christ. Those nine fruit in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, they reveal the character of Jesus And the fruit of the Spirit is being produced in us as we follow Jesus, as we allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives, and then as we apply what we know to be true. See, it's one thing to know the truth, it's another thing to do the truth. I often say people live what they believe. You can tell me what you believe, but I want to look at your life. I want to see if you're genuine with what you believe, because how you live will reveal what you really believe. You see, when the Holy Spirit's at work, He helps us to follow Jesus. He gives us revelation from God's Word. And He guides us to be Christ followers who have an anointing. Look at Acts. Acts chapter 2. Pentecost. Look at how the Holy Spirit worked. It was so very evident. Did the Holy Spirit stop on the day of Pentecost? No. It was just a beginning. Read through the rest of the book of Acts. Follow the track record of the Holy Spirit. How He changed ordinary people like you and me into Christ followers. And their testimony is with us today to encourage us. Now I also see that He allows our cup to overflow. Have any of you been blessed by God? Well, the fact that you're saved by grace, that's that's a blessing. The reality of the, the fact that we've been blessed by God means that we should be a blessing. See, we've been blessed to bless others. That's when our cup overflows. I know some people that are so caught up in themselves and their woes and their worries that they just can't see beyond themselves. And I believe the Lord is saying to them, look out and reach out. Don't be so ingrown. Start looking out. And when you go and serve someone else in need, the blessing will come back. You see, when you're a blessing, doesn't it always come back? I've discovered that in my life. As I give out, God returns to me in the most unusual ways. But it's easy sometimes to have a pity party. Am I the only one who has a pity party? No, we all can do that. We get caught up in that and then we can't see beyond our our nose. God wants us to look out and reach out. And then we're a blessing to those in need and he uses us for his glory. Okay. And then the last one is here under rejoicing in the Lord, he gives us a testimony. Verse six. Here's the testimony. Surely goodness and love. Some of your Bibles say mercy will follow me. You see, David believed it. Goodness and love and mercy. We're going to follow Him all the days of His life. And then he says, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because David had a relationship with the living God, he had a confidence in what God was going to do. Not what he was going to do, not what others were going to do, but what God was going to do. Sometimes we try to figure it all out and when we just kind of get so frustrated because we can't figure it out, we say, well, we better pray about it. And really, the truth is we should go to prayer first. We should bring it before the Lord and say, Lord, here's the challenge I'm having with my adult children. Here's the challenge I'm having at work. Here's the challenge I'm having at church. Churches have problems too. We have challenges within the body of Christ. Bring it to Jesus first. Bring it to Him and then say, now give me wisdom as to how I am to be serving Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I wonder what would happen. Maybe this is a good assignment for this week. Wake up tomorrow morning. What day is it? It's Monday. You may have the Monday blues for whatever reason. But I want to ask you to take God's Word and to speak it out. Surely, here's what you're to say. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. All the days of my life. Just that phrase. That's a simple one. You can can memorize that one. Surely goodness and mercy or love will follow me all the days of my life. That's all you have to say. Just say it out loud. Lord, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You begin each morning this week sharing that testimony. And see if that doesn't encourage you through whatever the day may hold whatever the challenge you may face, whatever path God may lead you on, surely goodness and mercy and love will, they will, follow me all the days of my life. See, David could say that because he had a relationship with God. He knew that the shepherd was out ahead and he was following the shepherd. He was being faithful to the shepherd. I love David's final testimony here. I will dwell... Not I hope I will dwell, I think I will dwell. David said, I know. I know I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? Forever. That's one of my favorite words. Grace is one. Forever is another one. Because that's my eternal destiny. In Christ I have forever to look forward to. I may drop, here, I may drop dead today. I could dro- drop right here of a heart attack and you call 911 and the age of cars come. They can't revive Pastor Pete. My spirit's left my body and I'm home with Jesus. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. And my forever, which has begun when I accepted Jesus, my forever in heaven will be complete. I look forward to that great and glorious day, and I trust you do too. I heard the story of Dwight L. Modi. He was the great evangelist at the turn of the 19th century. He used to be a shoe salesman. He wasn't very good at what he did, but you know, he sold shoes. And then one day, he came to faith in Jesus Christ. I don't recall the circumstances of his coming to Jesus, but he was converted. He began taking an interest in young people on the streets of Chicago. Reaching out to them. Working with the YMCA. God kept honoring his commitment to Jesus. And he became a pastor. We know of Moody Bible Church. We know, we know of the Moody Bible College that's still training up young people and sending them out as missionaries around the world today. See, God used a simple shoe salesman who turned his life over to Jesus to reach the lives of children and then adults And then the world. Amazing, isn't it? Well, Dwight L. Moody Moody got in front of his congregation one Sunday morning and he said to them, Church, one day, one day, you're going to hear the news, Dwight L. Moody is dead. Don't you believe it? The day that I leave this body, this physical body behind, and my spirit goes to be with the Lord, I will be more alive. More alive than ever before. Can you say praise the Lord? That's my testimony. I trust it's your testimony. You are secure in Jesus. Your forever is sealed. You are His. And you will be more alive than ever before. Let's pray together. Lord, how we thank You for the truth of Your Word discovered in Psalm 23. The importance of knowing the Lord. Abiding with the Lord. Rejoicing in the Lord. These three key essentials of our faith are so very crucial for our daily living in Christ and our dying in Christ, not having fear or, or dread or worry, but knowing that our forever has been taken care of because of what you did, Lord Jesus, on our behalf. Lord, we thank you for what you revealed to the uh The Apostle John, when he was in exile, being persecuted for his faith. And the book of Revelation tells us that you opened heaven and allowed him to see the throne of God. And before the throne of God was a multitude of people that no one could count from every tribe and language and people under heaven. And they were all declaring salvation belongs to our God. Amen. Praise and honor and glory and power and wisdom and might forever and ever. Amen. And Jesus, we join with that great gathering of believers. That one day we will be part of that great multitude giving you glory forever and ever. Thank you that we can do that now because you called us to be your sheep and to follow you as our shepherd. In Jesus, our Master's name, we pray this. Amen and amen.